Welcome in to the Illini cast, and we are still abuzz over what happened in Madison Square Garden, where the Illini beat the Florida Atlantic Owls 98-89, last year's Final Four team, and this year's number 11 team in the country, up until that beatdown that Illinois had on Florida Atlantic, and Sonny Verma, I know you talked about it right after the game, but what are your feelings about 24 hours after that game? I think I'm wearing my feelings on my shirt today. Um, I got to watch a replay of that game again uh, today. And, uh, you know, just kind of not to round about uh, spill out the same thoughts I had yesterday, but this team has um, a lot more potential than I gave it credit for. Uh, at the beginning of the season and yesterday may have been the best game that we're going to play all year long when you know we talk about factors which I'm sure you and I are going to talk about later on in the show but if that's the ceiling for this Illinois basketball team that's a pretty high ceiling I I mean you look at this game right here 98-89 and you pair that with a was it a five-point loss to Marquette I I feel like that this is way more sustainable than what was going on where last year you beat Texas last year uh, you beat UCLA. Um, I feel like this is a more sustainable version of basketball. I know we'll get a huge test on Saturday when Illinois takes on Tennessee in Knoxville, but it just feels like how Illinois is playing with the passing ability with the scoring ability Pair that with the excellent defense that Illinois had this year. I think you just got to look at this Illini team and think they are truly legit. This isn't a one-off performance. It wasn't built off the backs of one player. It's built off Marcus Damask. It's built off Terrence Shannon Jr. And then you pair that with what you get from Coleman Hawkins and, and and other guys like Justin Harmon had 10 points in that game. I, I just feel like this Illinois team is really good. And I don't even think this is the, ceiling of this Illini basketball team. Yeah, there's a huge difference between, you know, last year's team and this year's team. And, like you know, I think, like, one of the main factors is just Terrence Shannon Jr. this year seems to accept that he is going to be the alpha guy on this team. Um, every time he steps on court, you can tell he, he's got the confidence that he's the best player on that court. And, you know, his – put his head down and drive to the rim move. There's nobody in the country that can stop it. I don't know if there's people in the pros that can stop that move. He just how fast and powerful he is. It just reminds me of, you know, prime Derrick Rose back in the day where it was just too big, too fast and too strong uh, to quote the great uh, Stacy King. Um, secondly is like, you know, Brad Underwood's always had some traditionally good defensive teams, but not like this. We're, I think I saw a second in effective field goal percentage against two-pointers. Um, everyone's just playing selfless ball. His mantra of staying old and or getting old and staying old works. You know, last year we had young freshmen who were kind of 
new to the college scene and trying to get theirs. Whereas this year we've got veterans who understand this might be their last year in college athletics. So there's more of a team vibe, a selfless vibe. Let's just, you know, team success. And, you know, it's, it's just been a really fun basketball team to watch. I mean, defensively, I think I read the stat yesterday before the Florida Atlanta game. It might have changed just a touch, but where in three-point field goals, teams are shooting like a mere 20%, something along those lines with how perimeter defense has been. So, I mean, especially in the Big Ten, where the shooting capabilities of our conference foes isn't necessarily the best. Yes, you'll have some one-off performances here and there, by a Michigan State, by a Wisconsin. But I just look at this team and think if this is the defensive effort that you're going to get and you pair that with a an elite score like Terrence Shannon Jr., the, the sky is the limit. I, I, I know that's kind of a cliche thing to say, but I, I don't see how many teams can stop that. I know the Kansas game was a true exhibition where there was not the foul situation, but you win that game and you played pretty good defense against one of the best players in the country in Hunter Dickinson. And then you come out and that stay old mantra against a team that is so cohesive in Dusty Mays, Florida Atlantic crew who returned literally everybody. And you were able to kind of out chemistry them at times, which is kind of unreal with how many new pieces this Atlanta team has, but it just proves that, Guys like Justin Harmon, guys like Quincy Guerriere, guys like uh, Marcus Damask are all on the same page. And they know that Terrence Shannon is leader and they will do whatever it takes to be that second guy and or make Terrence Shannon Jr.'s life easier. And, you know, I kind of echoed my thoughts uh, all season long talking about this basketball team that I was always kind of worried about who that second guy on this team was going to be, who was going to be the guy who, you know, helped Shannon, you know, Shannon can score 20, 25 points night in and night out, but, you know, our teams are historically not good shooters. Uh, We can't hit free throws. So someone needs to kind of alleviate the pressure off of Shannon should he have a bad game. And sheesh, that show that Marcus Damask put on yesterday in Madison Square Garden, you know, Again, in front of ESPN TV, a lot of people were talking about who is this kid. Um, you know that transfer, you know from Southern Illinois. He he kind of played that booty ball that we struggled against last year, and you know just seeing the guy go fifteen for twenty one and giving himself a couple of heat checks, you know, and you're allowed to give yourself a heat check every now and then when you go fifteen for twenty one. It's uh if Domas can be that second guy, then you know again to echo your statement the sky's the limit yeah going into marcus damask um whenever he transferred from siu like i thought he was more of a role player on an illinois roster just simply because of the competition that is in the missouri valley i didn't take into account a couple aspects that would lead to success at illinois number one Marcus was double teamed a lot as a Saluki um, and justifiably. So, I mean, scoring 33 points against the number 11 team in the country. And number two, there was a guy next to him by the name of Lance Jones, who transferred to Purdue, who was a Mr. I'm going to shoot from near half court. There was no rhythm of the offense. So 
when Lance Jones had the ball, all they had to do was let him shoot that long three or double team Marcus Damask. So there wasn't too much from the second pass for Marcus Damask. And obviously the talent at SIU isn't what it is outside of Lance Jones and Marcus Damask. When you allow Marcus to actually play as as part of a team, when you have guys like Coleman Hawkins, when you got have an elite athlete like Terrence Shannon Jr., when you have a drive and kick guy like Luke Goody can be, this is kind of the style of basketball that Marcus Damask wants to play, and this is kind of what he thrives in. And it's it just the it just is an amazing thing to see how he has a how he was able to just dissect the matchup differences in Florida Atlantic's defense and really just do whatever he wanted. It was just awesome and fun to see. And it's not even just his basketball ability. Um, you know, watching all these games, it genuinely looks like that all these players like each other. They like yep. playing with each other. Um, you know, last year, I think it was right around this time, you know, Sky Clark uh, had struggled at the point guard position um, for the first stretch of games. And I think it was around mid-December when all of a sudden we found out, you know, he cleared out his apartment and um, he was gone from the team. And we're not really, you know, like normally now is when you kind of hear a so-and-so is not happy, so-and-so is not happy. You know, guys like Dane Danger, he's been struggling this year. But he's up and he's clapping and he's being a cheerleader on that bench, you know, uh, even despite him not being productive himself. Sincere Harris, obviously, you know, the shock of the season so far when he decided to redshirt. But he's been in the middle of all the celebrations, in the postgame celebrations. It's it's one of those where everyone's looking around and there seems to be a cohesiveness. Uh, the players, again, they, they bought into what Brad Underwood is selling. And that's what makes basketball fun to watch for fans like you and I. Um, you know, we can watch the most talented team uh, in the world on the court, but if they're playing hero ball, if you can tell they don't like each other, it kind of rubs off on TV and we can see it. This team enjoys playing for, uh, with each other, and that makes them enjoyable to watch on TV. And more importantly, they're accountable to each other. I don't think they want to be the odd man out. They don't want to be the weak link in this chain and i think that's a testament to brad underwood's leadership as well in finding guys that can buy into the culture last year i think he got enamored with the portal just a touch and with guys that may not ne necessarily fit a system as like a five-star freshman so i think this year he got guys that knew how to play a role because of their background at possibly smaller colleges so I, I think this kind of template might suit Brad Underwood the best in this transfer portal world of college basketball, where you get guys from smaller colleges, where you uh, maybe find a fit with a power five transfer. But I think this is kind of his way, his way of spreading his culture, even when you don't have all four years to get a culture instilled. And I don't want to speak for you, but uh, for me, Watching Brad Underwood uh, this year has made me kind of like him even more because, as you said, he's tried all kinds of strategies over the last three, four years trying to figure out what it's going to take to build a championship team uh, in Champaign. And he continues to try. 
You know, I, I was actually I had this conversation with a friend of mine who's a Michigan State fan, and obviously they've got the legend, you know, Tom Izzo, one of the greatest coaches of all time there. But there's a growing frustration, you know, with the, they've started the season four and four. He's been very stubborn, you know, in not embracing the transfer portal, you know, much like Dabo Sweeney in college football. And you almost run the risk of the game passing you by. And you don't really get that sense of uh, stubbornness or complacency with Brad Underwood. He, you know, he's he's willing to try new things. You know, his first couple of years, he was playing that press, you know, uh, defense that worked in the lower levels. Obviously, he wasn't working in the pros. He adjusted that. Um, you know, as we we're kind of talking about, his recruiting strategies has changed every single year to the point where it's enjoyable to me that he keeps tinkering because it shows me that he truly does care. And he's not just, you know, collecting paychecks here. And, you know, there's far more historically successful college basketball coaches who moving forward aren't making those decisions. And, you know, it makes me more comfortable having Brad Underwood as the guy uh, leading the charge for Illinois. I mean, I'm not saying that Brad Underwood is going to be Coach K or even Coach K light. But you look at the way that Coach K adapted in the one and done era of college basketball. John Calipari did it phenomenally well, but then there was a point where it didn't work for him. And I think Calipari is still struggling with how to how to get in this college basketball winning window. And you looked at what Coach K did. I know he didn't have to deal with the transfer portal too terribly much uh, by the time he retired, but he knew that you paired a couple um, four-year starters in with some one-and-dones, and that's kind of the winning formula of that era. With Brad Underwood, he has adapted from that last great college basketball high, high school recruiting route of Kofi Coburn and Io DeSumo into this kind of realm where Yes, it might not be a five-star basketball player that you're getting, but you're still getting a good four-star who might stick around for a couple of years to help build that culture by the time they're sophomores or maybe even juniors that they can help assist in this tra in this transfer coming in, learning the program quickly, and getting with the program. So I think that's kind of what Brad Underwood's mindset is to pair the high school recruiting with the transfer recruiting kind of like Coach K did with one and dones versus the um, four-year starter. Yeah, and, you know, as I just said, like, he keeps adjusting his strategy. You know, like, uh, the last couple of years, we've had top 10 recruiting classes. You know, we've done really well for ourselves there, but I think he's realized that, you know, having four open scholarships and having uh, four high-end recruits doesn't always mesh. It doesn't exactly always work and show itself on the on the basketball court. And with the way college basketball is ran, run today, you know, one guy is unhappy, they can transfer out almost immediately. Um, now we're at the point where I think he's recruiting more for a longer term team. You know, I think we have five scholarships available, but I think he's talked about only taking on like three recruits and, you know, leaving one or two open knowing that the transfer portal is kind of how you build a team nowadays. And again, it's just, it's comforting for me because I have a guy in charge who is not looking backwards. He is, you know, looking forwards. He's trying to guess what the next move is because he knows, you know, he's got to win in March. That's the one thing that 
Um, he can't quite check off on his career list yet. That's what's separating him from being in the top tier of uh, college basketball coaches. And so, you know, he's still hungry. And that's nice to see because, you know, a lot of the other coaches, uh, they seem to, to not, they seem to be very content now. Yeah. I mean, you look at a guy like Amani Hansberry, like, yeah, I mean, didn't fill up the stat sheet, but he got a couple rebounds there. He played hard in his three minutes. That's a guy that can help build a culture going forward. Uh, that's a guy that can help establish Brad Underwood getting old and staying old. That's the kind of mentality that I think Brad is really searching for in the high school recruiting realm to pair with a guy like Terrence Shannon that you get in the transfer portal. So, I, I mean, I can't be anything but impressed with how Brad Underwood has adapted. And I, I, I know the term is is used a lot, but adapt or die. And I think Brad Underwood adapts a lot. Sometimes it's to his own chagrin. But hey, if you're not trying to adapt, then you're going to die regardless. So I'd rather adapt, figure out what works, figure out what doesn't, and then you can go from there. And another thing, you know, your Amani Hansberry point, you know, not only, yeah, he may not be playing much on the court right now, but he's being paired up with guys like Quincy Guerrier. You know, he's watching Marcus Domask, you know, like leaders on the team, guys who are showing him a glimpse of what having a good culture in that locker room is. So when it comes time that it's Amani's turn to be one of the main player, players on our team, one of the focal points, one of the leaders of the locker room, he'll he doesn't need to create a culture on his own on his own. All he has to do is kind of maintain the culture that he experienced when he was a younger, younger player and kind of expose the future freshman to that. And so, you know, again, that's also invaluable. You just, it's, I think basketball is one of the most important sports where it's genuinely important that the players like each other and that that culture locker room culture is in tune with each other because uh, you know, you're constantly passing the ball to each other, just working together, this and that. If it, it's it's one of those where, as long as the culture is good, it sets a floor on the team, as opposed to you know when people actually care about each other, as opposed to when not. When basketball is also one of those sports where it's very easy just to go solo, play hero ball, go you know try to pad your own stats. And this Illinois team is not doing that. It's one of the most selfless teams I've seen in a long time. And there's this huge sense of maturity with this Illini roster in terms of how they deal with certain situations. Like there were moments where Illinois stormed out to an eight point lead and then Florida Atlantic would climb back. Some Illini teams in the past would be like, "Uh Oh, here comes the run. Won't be able to stop it. Then boom, Florida Atlantic's up five. And then you're wondering what the hell happened. This team, I know it helps when, Terrence Shannon can do what he does and Marcus Domask is scoring 33 points, but to have some legitimate run stoppers on this Illini roster is so encouraging because in March that's going to be elevated. And if Illinois can stop some of those runs with a three, nothing run, even on their own with a couple baskets and a free throw um, in there with a five, nothing run, six, nothing run that changes the whole complexion of a game come March because once the avalanche starts in a round of 32 game that you're not supposed to lose, that's when things can become awfully dangerous for the favorite. So with a guy like Terrence Shannon, you become a lot less likely to be succumbed to things like that. 
You're, you're exactly right. I mean, you know, and that's the difference of having veterans on the team as opposed to, you know, younger players. Um, you know, the previous game against Rutgers, you know, we went off on a, you know, very big lead early in the game, but Rutgers made a run at the end of the first half to, you know, close the gap up a little bit. The rack is a place we have historically struggled at. You know, Brad Underwood was five, one in five going into uh, last Saturday. And that game, for the most part, was a pretty easy win. You know, yeah, Rutgers made their run. But again, you know, we have, we brought in players who played for, you know, yeah, maybe in lower levels, but they played in high intensity conference championships. You know, like they know what pressure is. And, um, you know, you have the Rutgers game. We talked about the game uh, last night. You're playing in the Jimmy V Classic in Madison Square Garden against the 11th team in the country who happened to go to the Final Four last year and, oh, by the way, return to everybody on that team. You went toe-to-toe with them. I think you were the better team for most of that night. And not were you just the better team, but you played lights out. You shot 60% from the field. You played excellent defense. It's a confidence builder because, again, you know, I've talked about it. Like, I don't think Brad really cares much for the regular season anymore i think right now his main focus is getting a decent seed so that he can finally get over the hump come march and games like last saturday against rutgers games like um you know last night in madison square garden against fau and games like the upcoming game on saturday against tennessee that type of environment that type of like experience is what's going to set them up for what's hopefully to come in march I mean, this three-game stretch, like, uh, it's just vital to Illinois' preparation in March. I mean, at Rutgers, at Madison Square Garden, in Knoxville, Tennessee, that's a gauntlet for a college basketball player, a guy that isn't uh, uh, doesn't have that instinct of shutting up a road crowd or playing in the most historic venue in the world of basketball. And you're doing that back to back to back, especially in one game being a conference game. I mean, that is March epitomized, like one of those late big late conference games. Then you're going into a neutral site tournament game, and then you're playing a tough NCAA tournament. Um, after that, I mean, that this three-game stretch is just so vital for the preparation of this team. Vital is the right word. It's, uh, you know, it's... I think we've kind of cleared the hurdle at this point in winning these first two games. We're kind of playing with, you know, uh, play money uh, with the third game. Like if we go, if you had told us last week that we were to go two and one in this stretch, both of us would have taken it. You know, there was a genuine concern. We could go one and two or, you know, on you know, worst case scenario, oh and three. So the fact that we've gotten two wins already and dare I say, like they were pretty impressive wins. It's not, there's no luck involved in these two wins. We're a dominating win against the Rutgers and we were the better team against FAU. You know, it's, it's kind of like you're playing with house money at this point And, you know, you just, you still want to put on a good performance against Tennessee, but now it's more kind to trying to um, establish the floor of what your team can be. Like you don't want any of those performances where, you know, I remember, you know, last year uh, on my birthday, you know, we played Penn state and all of a sudden we were down like 20 points in the first half. And you're like, the team didn't even show up off the bus. Like that's what you want to kind of avoid 
moving forward here. And I think, again, we keep rehashing it, but the veterans that are in that locker room now, we hope that they're setting up a culture where we're not going to see that happen anymore. Like, you know, there's going to be good effort. And obviously with the defense that this team is capable of playing, like we should be in every single game from here on out. I mean, we talked about it in the preseason. Go 500 in the stretch of Marquette, FAU, Tennessee, and Missouri. We've gotten to one win. We know we have the loss against Marquette. But if you're able to win against Tennessee and Missouri, I mean, then you're starting to talk about possibly a two or three seed in the NCAA tournament as opposed to the four or five seed range because then you're really setting yourself up for success, especially in this conference play where Wisconsin should be a quality game. Michigan State's going to be quality game. I mean, it just sets Illinois up for so much opportunity in March. I know seeding kind of doesn't matter anymore with the NCAA tournament, with the way the parity structure is, but at least you're putting yourself in the right footprint uh, to make a deep run. If you take care of business against the likes of Tennessee and Missouri now in the non-conference. And even in conference, like now discussions are being had, you know, is can Illinois make a run at Purdue for the big Ten? You know, this, those words weren't being talked about uh, in the preseason. It was Purdue clearly ahead, Michigan State second, and then Illinois was kind of in the next tier. Uh, Michigan State's obviously struggled out of the gate. I think they're four and four. Um, and Illinois is being talked about, like, can they challenge Purdue? You know, they're, we're, I don't think we're at that level yet, but the fact that the we're even having this conversation at this point in the season would have surprised me a month and a half ago. You know, it's, it's again, the team is just playing good, fundamental, savvy defense. They believe in everyone on the court. You know, like they, they trust each other. Like, I think, you know, we match up pretty well with Purdue, if you think about it. You know, with, with all the bigs that we have, a lot of these teams that we're just simply overpowering. You know, we have a lot of bigs we throw at ED. We have a lot of fouls we can throw at ED. And so it's a game where, you know, I'm kind of looking forward to. I still think Purdue is the class of the conference, but I don't think they're going to be running away, you know, from the whole thing uh, anymore. I think, you know, Illinois can make a solid run and at least make them sweat uh, come to later the season. I mean, Purdue has a loss already in conference play. Like, who would have anticipated them having a loss at this point in this early part of the game, early part of the stretch, losing to Northwestern. I think Northwestern could be ranked, obviously, in the top 25, like toward the back end of that. But still, there's so much opportunity to even upend Purdue. I mean, they still have to go through a stretch, too, of Alabama, Arizona, and then into conference play in Maryland, Illinois, Nebraska. I mean, they have their own little stretch gauntlet uh, where they need to prove themselves. I mean, Arizona's the number one team in the country. And I, I think Purdue kind of has to prepare themselves to say, hey, we're going to be underdogs. And I don't know how that mindset can switch from being a number one team in the country to suddenly being an underdog once again. And it's just nice that they're going to have someone to keep them honest. You know, again, they're not going to run away from the conference like they did last year where they won by like three or four games, I think. I think, you know, we're going to, you know, be right on their heels. Um, I think right now we're clearly the second best team in the conference. You know, maybe eventually Michigan State will figure it out. But I, 
I've never seen a Tom Izzo team look this clueless, uh, you know, in mid-December. But, you know, they've got a lot of talent on that team. And, you know, they do have historically the best uh, coach in the conference. So maybe they'll figure it out later. But, you know, it's just right now it's all about, you know, Illinois. Uh, Illinois is kind of the talk of the conference. It's what the national media is talking about, Um, you know, the sleepers, uh, Field of 68, uh, Illinois videos and content was, you know, at the foremost, that's, you know, hey, you know, who is this Terrence Shannon guy? You know, uh, we broke records essentially at Madison Square Garden yesterday with two guys uh, scoring 30 points each. It's, uh, you know, we're, you know, if Terrence Shannon can, you know, uh, springboard this performance into uh, an All-American role. You know, I mean, just think of how valuable that is for us moving forward when it comes to NIL and that transfer portal and showing kind of the results of, you know, what our program is able to do with, you know, just really talented players looking to find a home. Absolutely. I mean, you looked, you came into the season, obviously knew that Illinois was going to be good, like where they would be a five, four seed kind of thing in the NCAA tournament. But this really opens up the possibilities on the horizon. But Saturday will be a test and, I think this is going to be a fun game to watch. You have a guy like Dalton Neck who has 19 points per game. They do a 7.1 rebounds per game. And then you have Ziegler at the guard position. I mean, what is your early thinking on this Tennessee Volunteers matchup? See, the Tennessee game is going to be tough because, you know, on some nights, Tennessee looks like they can win the national championship. And on some nights, you know, I think uh, one of their losses this year is just a loss that a, a program like Tennessee just should not have. Um, this game is in Knoxville. Am I correct? Yes. Uh, Thompson Bowling Arena. Yeah. So, you know, I would be surprised to escape with the W. Um, I'm not sure what the spread is yet. I didn't really look into that. But again, it's not even now that we've got the two wins in the bag. I don't really need to come out of. Saturday with the victory to feel good. If I see a strong performance, if I see a game, you know, where we go back and forth and we're competing with Tennessee again in that sort of environment, and then we just fall short, I'm kind of content with that. What I don't want to see is Tennessee run us out of the building in the first half, our team turn a little lifeless and, you know, just a a blowout win. So I'll just say, you know, we'll lose by a five point loss. Here are here are the results of Tennessee. They beat Tennessee Tech 80 to 42. They beat a Wisconsin team that is sh- suddenly showing some signs of life as a program again 80 to 70. They beat Wofford 82 to 61, beat Syracuse 73-56. Then they came with a three-game losing streak. They lost to Purdue 71-67. That was a home game for Tennessee. They lost to Kansas 69 to 60, another home game. Then they lose at North Carolina 100 to 92. And then they came back and beat George Mason 87 to 66. So they have been battle tested pretty well with Kansas, Purdue, and Northwest. Yeah, absolutely. And North Carolina. So uh, losing, I don't know if there's ever been a run where. You've played the number two team in the country, followed by the number one team in the country in non-conference play. Yeah, as you said, they're they're going to be extremely battle tested, you know, just as much as we are. So, you know, I, I definitely expect a 
really good game. I know it's the early game on Saturday, I think 11 o'clock central time, you know, so it's, uh, you know, that's all. I just want to see a good game. I want to see, you know, uh, two teams, uh, you know, similarly talented, just two coaches who are, you know, I think Underwood eventually will be a, a Hall of Fame coach as well. I, um, I just want to see a good game, a, a competing back and forth, and I want to be proud of the effort afterwards. And if it, if we're, you know, we fall short, so be it. It happens. If we win, then I, you know, I'm gonna. I don't care if I can't talk anymore. I'm coming back for a instant reaction episode again. I, I am excited to see Dalton Neck go up against uh, Terrence Shana Jr. Dalton Neck had 37 points in their loss against North Carolina. So this is a guy that can really light up the scoreboard. And again, we talk about preparation for March. You're going to run into players that are just so immensely talented at putting the ball in the in the basket. And I I love seeing these matchups where can't what is Illinois defensively going to do against a guy like Dalton Necht? Can Terrence Shannon match the scoring output? Uh, where, what does Marcus Damask do in this kind of environment against Tennessee? I mean, the questions that are going to be answered, as well as questions that are going to linger on, are going to be fascinating to watch. So I am kind of with you. I think Illinois does lose this game, but the questions are just going to be so fun to analyze, even with a loss. Like, oh man, Terrence Shannon Jr. had twenty-seven points. Dalton Act had twenty-four. But I mean. That, that these are the kind of fun questions and conversations that we can have from a game like this. And it'll have Brad Underwood analyze some things and uh, figure some things out for March. Yeah, it's going to be a great game. And you're right. You know, it's one of those, this might be, you know, we just had the Marcus Damas game. This could be the Terrence Shannon game. Cause you know, you know, he's, he's been watching game tape. You know, he, he's been scouting that just like, you know, you uh, have been talking about him. So Every time he steps on the court, he's usually the best scorer on the court. He's usually the best player on the court. Saturday is going to be one of the games where he's going to have a very suitable opponent, someone who can challenge, you know, his status as the best player on the court. So it'll be, you know, fun to see if he can, you know, jump up a level, if we see him take it, you know, to the next step, um, you know, and, you know, take on that challenge. This may be a bigger conversation, but I kind of want to dive it in, dive in with you on this. Um, I know it's still early on in the season, but what are your thoughts on Ty Rogers so far at this point guard position? Well, see, I mean, those are two different thoughts. One of my thoughts on Ty Rogers, and then on the point guard position. Um, I think it's really obvious he's not a point guard. Uh, you know, every time, and this happens multiple times, every half he dribbles and then he just gives up his dribble immediately. I have to hold my breath and, you know, hope that we can kind of get out of it. Um, I think he's in a position where he's hasn't really been put, you know, in a position to succeed, but he's doing his best. Um, you can see his effort on the court. Um, you know, he may be struggling a bit on the offensive end, but I don't think there's a better wing combination defensively than Shannon and Rogers. They are mm -hmm. two of the big reasons that our defense is as elite, as they are. So, you know, I guess technically I'll give him a B minus uh, as a performance this year, but I still love the kid. I think, you know, he could still go down as one of my favorite Illini ever. And I just hope next year we're not putting him in the position this year on the offensive end, you know, that doesn't really fill his uh, skill set.
I mean, the hustle that he shows is just awesome to see. Um, but again, offensively, I mean, he leaves you wanting so much with the scoring outputs as well, like zero points uh, against Florida Atlantic, where I thought that would be a matchup where he could do that booty ball thing like Penn State. And there there was nothing like there was no openings at all for him. I know Florida Atlantic is a decently good defensive team, but it just felt like you're playing five on four at some opportunities on the offensive side of the ball. But do you really want to take that off defensively? I mean, it just, it, it becomes a quandary for Brad Underwood right now on what you do with Ty Rogers, because I feel like there are more efficient lineups out there, but it just, uh, it, it's just hard to take that off. Yeah. But I mean, he had glimpses against Rutgers. Like I know he didn't score that much, but some of his, you know, uh, like what he needs to do essentially is keep watching that Terrence Shannon film of putting your head down and running as fast as you can towards the rim. And if he can nail that, like just, you know, that type of move where, you know, just put your head down because almost every single time the guy guarding him is smaller than him. So if he can attack the basket and develop a touch around the rim, I think that's all we need from him this year. He, you know, he doesn't need to be the focal point of the offense this year, but if, as long as he can develop something so he's not a complete zero on the offensive end, um, that's all I'm hoping for uh, this year, at least. Absolutely. Sonny, um, we talked a lot about basketball, but football continues to uh, do little things uh, here and there. Tip Ryman is now in the NFL draft. What's your initial reaction to that news? Uh, I mean, I was I know I heard it was like 50 50. Um I know a lot of people are disappointed and I guess I'm disappointed, but like to me, he was just maybe an average, maybe slightly above average big 10 tight end. And when I think of a tight end in Brett Bielema's system, I had higher hopes. So I actually don't mind him moving on to the next level because I feel like his story of being a walk-on who basically just developed under Brett to become a scholarship player, to become a starter in the Big Ten, and now hopefully get drafted in the NFL. That's a story we can pitch to the next guy in line, you know, whether it be in the transfer portal or recruit. And that guy will have a a higher ceiling to become the tight end that, you know, I think that this offense um, needs to thrive. Right. I mean, I think of a guy like Henry Boyer, there's opportunity there for a guy like him. Um, It's all about how Brad Underwood can, not Brad Underwood, good Lord, uh, Brett Bielema and his staff can progress these tight ends uh, like they did with Tip. So I I think it's going to be up to the coaching staff to keep developing these guys because that's kind of what Illinois has to be is a development style program. And then you possibly get a four-star tight end in there every now and then if the right situation is there. Uh, So I I think that's going to be the key factor is how the next group develops. So we've seen this troubles in the secondary of how the next group develops. It's just all about what goes on there. And, you know, awesome. You know, before we go, I did want to get your thoughts on, you know, I know you and I both agree that Brett would have to kind of adjust his, portal strategy this year compared to last year and from the looks of it it may not have changed too much um it still looks like we're kind of concentrating on you know the the finding someone under the rock you know just uh the juco level the fcs level uh, while 
other people are chasing the you know previous four stars or you know the successful players we seem to be looking for the guy who is a hidden talent you know maybe maybe that's just what it is you know that's just what our nil funds are able to afford right now but me personally i'm a little disappointed that you know we haven't really been connected with any prominent names or even names i've heard of and so i know you were even more vocal than i was about this so i'd love to hear your thoughts yeah we've thrown uh offers out to like a defensive back at ohio state a michigan state offensive lineman a few things like that kansas state defensive back but i think brett and his staff maybe just think that this juco market is virtually untapped uh to the other teams in the conference that this is the one area where Illinois can be elite at. And I know they've gotten the sacks leader in, in the Juco. They've gotten the receiving touchdowns leader at the Juco level. So they might think that this is a market deficiency. Um, and, and this is the strategy going forward. Um, I wish they would get into that higher end transfer market, of course, but at the same time, maybe it just takes a couple years and maybe it just is a lot of like, a lot of bites at the apple and then you get like a couple of uh, huge gems out of that. So maybe that might be the strategy moving forward. I mean, there's got to be a reason behind the madness and I'm hoping that I'm, I'm hoping that that is just the case instead of like just giving up on the power five to power five transfer level. I mean, I think you're right. You know, I think I, I, I have enough faith in Brett Bielema that I think the reason we're going down this route is kind of a money ball situation. You know, just trying to be uh, find out where the there's a market, you know, uh, efficiency. To what does he um, do? He gets on base. <laughs> exactly. Look, he may weigh 300 pounds and strike out 150 times, but he gets on base. And so, you know, it's he may feel like this market is kind of underutilized, and he's kind of going for those players because he knows next year, you know, obviously, and moving forward, the Big Ten's just going to get tougher. And so as long as we don't, we can establish ourselves as being, you know, a bowl team, you know, the NIL funds will slowly start creeping in, hopefully. And, you know, fans will kind of trust uh, that the football team is not a waste of time. And that could kind of build up that war chest to have, um, you know, more notable players be interested, especially, you know, if we have the Tip Ryman stories or even the Isaiah Adams, you know, comes in the Juco route and now he's going to get drafted in the NFL. Like that's going to that story is going to play to potential recruits. And so, you know, I'm still giving, you know, I wish you would do more. But at the same time, you know, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt for at least another year. Sonny, it was an absolutely great show talking about Illinois and Florida Atlantic and then previewing the Tennessee Volunteers as well. And then we talked a little bit of the line of football. So, Sonny, thank you for joining us again on the Illinois cast. And I'll talk to you again next week. Welcome back, Austin. And uh, yeah, I can't wait. All right. Thank you.